Okay, so this is a little intimidating on the first one to talk. <laughs> okay, so hi, my name's Serena. Um, I'm 18, and I just graduated um, high school this year, and um, I'm going to be, of course, talking about Mexico. And um, one of the things that I've been really struggling with lately is just realizing that God does have a plan for our lives, um, and with most everything. I like to try and understand every little tiny aspect of it, and there's no way to understand what God has in store for us or even what he wants to do with our lives. So um, God does have a plan, though. I cannot figure it out or even understand it, but there is always a reason. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This year, as Kevin already told you guys, was not our typical Mexico trip. Um, While previous years, we've had the bus breakdown on the way back, Jack Underwood leaving his passport at home, and even being detained at the border because someone's passport was not signed, we had not expected to return home the day we left for Tijuana. We were all pretty bummed, let me tell you, but what was about to happen later is pretty amazing. I had a friend recently tell me that, duh, everything God does is amazing. And that is so true. Our flight agent was able to get 20 tickets last minute, as Kevin said, for Wednesday. You know, you've seen the movie. Someone gets up, runs to the counter, it's Christmas Eve, and they're like, get me a ticket to, I don't know where, but they're trying to get somewhere, and they can't even get one ticket to go. But God was able to get 20 for us last minute. Since we had a couple of days to chill, even before we left, I was able to finish some things at home that really needed done, as well as meet with someone who I had been wanting to meet with for a while. It was so exciting to talk with them and hear about this person's growing relationship with God. They explained how excited they were to be reading their Bible and learning about God, and God used that person even to encourage me. Wednesday came... Tickets were all in order, and we eventually ended up on a plane from Vegas to San Diego. Oh, yeah, we were living it up in Vegas. (laughs) We got settled in our seats, and I started talking to the lady in the seat next to me. Her name was Mary, and she has three kids and who are all grown, and she was on her way from San Diego to, or sorry, on her way from um, Vegas to San Diego to meet her boyfriend and and his son. Um, Yes, now I know this lady's entire life story. But as we were talking, I asked her if she had any religious beliefs, and she said no, and I can't exactly remember if she said she even believed in God. Um, She then asked me if I had any religious beliefs, and like Kevin, I briefly explained to her what I believed. Um, Not very well, but hopefully something touched her heart. She told me that her daughter was a Christian, and my mom said, who knows, maybe Mary's daughter has been praying for her for years, and you were an answer to her prayer. By the end of the ride, I had her phone number, And she told me if I ever were in Vegas to let her know. She also said, I think you guys are awesome to be going and doing this. It was an encouragement to her that some teenagers were doing something and actually had convictions about something. One one day while we were in Tijuana, we went to Tribal de Jesus, which is a local orphanage. And I was super excited because I remembered two little boys that I had met there last year who lived at this orphanage. We pulled up, and I realized that this was not the place I remembered. I trudged on, and in a little while, I was helping pass out mangoes. As I watched the kids play, I realized that one of the little boys was my friend Javier. 
And a little while later, I recognized an older Juan Carlos, who a little while before had been asking me to give him more mangoes. I had forgotten their names, but soon they reminded me we were playing and taking pictures together like last year. I was so happy to see them and wished that I could have brought them home with me. I love watching their faces light up and just fill with laughter as they played with my camera while I was telling them only one more picture. They then proceeded to take 20 more. Julian, a spectrum worker, goes to this orphanage as well as many other orphanages in the surrounding communities playing with and loving in these children. He told me that, or actually he told one of our team members that it is extremely difficult to be adopted out of these orphanages even if you are adopting them locally. The children that grow up in the orphanages often run away or end up in prostitution and just on the streets. I thought of Javier and Juan Carlos, and I wanted them to stay little boys forever and maybe even adopt them and have my family adopt them, although I came home telling my parents that, and they were like, maybe not. (laughs) I would appreciate your prayers for Juan Carlos and Javier as well, and for Julian especially as he ministers to these children and that the children's heart would be open to what he tells them. Another thing that has become evident to me, especially lately and in Mexico, is that I have not been living my life to honor God for his sake, but for mine. And I know it's so easy for all of us to slip into that. I haven't been kind to people simply because I love them, or I do love everyone I'm with, but it's just often I'm doing it because I want to be loved by them. I want to live my life now showing genuine love for those around me and live for all for Jesus. The last work assignment we had was at an old people's home. These people did not live in the greatest conditions, but it was a Christian establishment, and they were possibly taken better care of than any of the others in the area. We were able to go around and talk with the people there and pray with them. One of the rooms Kyler and I went to had an older woman sitting on her bed who asked us to sing to her. She had a songbook one of the groups had left with her that had English as well as Spanish songs. She would pick songs out, and Kyler and I would sing with her, with her, and she would even sing along in English with us. It was simply precious. She let the group borrow her book, and we were able to sing to the rest of the people in the home. These people displayed love for us, gratitude, and joy. The team made an effort while we were there to talk with and encourage the people, despite the language barrier, which was really cool. I was able to talk with this lady who was sitting on a bench. She was missing some teeth and talked really fast. My Spanish skills are not all that great already, and it was even more difficult and practically impossible to understand what she was saying with that. I just listened, smiled, nodded, and laughed when she laughed, and then eventually I asked her if I could talk with her or talk to God for her because I didn't know how to say, can I pray for you in Spanish? She agreed, and I held her hand And as we prayed. I prayed and translated what I was able to into Spanish for her, and when I opened my eyes, she was sitting there, eyes closed, still mouthing words to herself. I was really touched. Here is this woman who is stuck in a nursing home all day. She has very little, and yet she has so much faith. I don't know if she was praying with me or for me, but I thought, wow, like, is, is she praying for me? How can I have so much, or how can I have so much, yet trust God so little? And this woman has so little and trust God so much. I prayed that it for God to help me to have faith like this woman. As I was leaving, I said goodbye to another woman, 
And she held my hand tightly, yet gently, and it seemed she didn't want to let me go. I started to tear up. I didn't want to leave them either. I would say to them in Spanish, mi hermana en Cristo, or translated, my sister in Christ. And with that, the last woman almost seemed like she could be my grandmother. I felt a connection in that moment, and I wonder how much stronger that connection will be in heaven. I just felt overwhelmed. It was probably because I was tired, but I hope I will never forget it. God has a plan. He knew that if we flew Wednesday, I'd meet with my friend. I would talk to a lady who needs to know him. I would be reunited with two very special little boys who need his love. And he knew I would meet his cherished ones at the home with faith beyond what they could see. Today, if you're wondering, does God really love me? Am I a part of his plan? What is his plan anyway? If you have decided to follow Jesus and are obeying him, then you are most definitely a part of his plan. If you have messed up, he has never left you. Isaiah 54, 4 says, Do not be afraid, you will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated. Come back, he is waiting. God does not abandon those who are his. If you feel like you're in the pit of despair, he is there. Acts says about Joseph, who definitely had it bad, that God was with him. He says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them to who fear me, so that they will never turn away from me. I was definitely moved by the fear and belief of the people in the, old, in the um, nursing home. God made an everlasting covenant with them, and God won't stop doing good to them. I can't answer the question of why they are barely making it by, or the fact that the families are not taking care of them and have left them there, but God does have a plan, and he used me in their lives to hopefully bring them hope. God loves you, and the Bible says he will never crush even the smallest hope. He is pursuing you. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. One of my favorite songs describes God as saying, Be still and trust my plan. I'm more than you think I am. All right, hi, my name is Dylan. Um, most people know me by Texas. Um, I just want to start off by saying that, you know, God is amazing. Um, this was my second year to Mexico, um, and this year God showed me so much more than the previous trip. And when I think about hope and trust, the first thing that comes to mind is the verse Proverbs um, 3, 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your, on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And that's what he kind of did for me, like this trip. Um, when you talk to people down in Mexico, no matter how bad their circumstances are, they always have hope, and they trust the Lord, and they've given their life to Him. Um, visiting the orphanages and seeing all the kids, and you know, it's such a great feeling to see all the smiles and stuff on their faces, and playing games with them, um, sharing about the Lord, and giving them even more hope has such an impact on their lives. They always love. They always love when groups come down, hang out with them for the day. Uh, it means the world to them and makes them happy. Being spiritually happy is something that we, we as people are always in search for. It's not always easy for people to become or even stay in that happy stage. The people in Tijuana have found their inner spirit happiness. They aren't complaining about not having the, the greatest TV or something. 
And they're not complaining about other people. They're happy with what they have. And they appreciate it. They know that God was on their side, and that's all they needed. You know, that's all anyone ever needs, really, is hope in God. If you have problems in life and not sure if they will get better or how you overcome the struggles, don't give up and don't blame yourself. It's not your fault. God has a plan, and we can't figure out why the things happen the way they do. But it's for a reason, and only God knows why. All you need to know is that, that God is on your side, and he won't let you go through things alone. There are families in Mexico that struggle, but God is working down there. You can see that. With every house that the teams build every year, there's, that means there's another family that has a more stable place to live. The build days are always fun and a small way to give back to people. You get to spend time with the family you're building for, and the kids, you get to play with them. And this year, while we were building the house, we decided to get with a, or play with a water hose, and most of our clothes were soaked that day. Um, but it felt really good to give, you know, make their day and give back to them. And as a team, I think that while we were down there, we ourselves grew closer together and also with God. And it was great to see everyone come together as a whole and not complain when we didn't get to leave on the day we were intended for. And since we had a shorter week, that means we had to cram everything in that we could. And the group did an amazing job at getting everything that week all together. And we stayed focused on not ourselves but on God. And since we left on Wednesday, we got a chance to visit a church down there for a service. And it was really interesting because it was a bilingual church, so the songs we sang were half English and half Spanish. The church was very moving, and it was a great experience that most people don't get to have. Another thing that the group got a chance to do that hasn't been done before was visiting a nursing home. That was an eye-opener for most, if not everyone. I got a chance to meet with a woman named Leandra, who was 93 years old, and she had a very heartbreaking story on how she got to the nursing home. And she felt useless because all she wanted to do was go out and get another job. You know, and I know most days I dread going to work and I wish I didn't have to go and I could just stay home and sleep. But this lady, that's all she wanted to do was go out and get a job. We started reading to her from the Bible. And Becca asked if she had you know, one of her own Bibles. And she said, of course I do. But the problem was she couldn't read very well. So Becca asked if she, you know, she could borrow her Bible and start reading it to her. And of course it was a Spanish Bible, so it was easy for Becca. And so I stood next to her while Becca read Spanish, or her Spanish Bible to her, and it was pretty amazing to see that after Becca read a couple of verses, that the woman asked if she would keep reading more, because she loved listening to the Lord and reading and sharing his gospel. Um, getting to know the Lord and reading really does change lives and help people cope with different life scenarios. Without hope and without God, does a person's life really have a true purpose? Living through God's words and his teaching is what gives a life a purpose. God gave his only son to us so that he may die for our sins. So trust in the Lord and keep your hope, especially through life's tragic and most painful. That's when you feel God doing his best work. If you never got a chance to go down to Mexico, it's a really great experience. And it does change your life and how you see other people. Thank you. Um, for, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Rachel Hoth, and this was my first year going to Mexico. Um, uh, the thing I really brought back from this trip was uh, how selfish we are, and like we, we want, we beg for things that we don't need, and then we cry when we don't get them because it just, 
we think it's just such a big deal. Um, Philippians 2.4 says, let, let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also the interests of others. Uh, while in Mexico, I ran into this little girl at one of the orphanages. She, uh, she, was getting, she had some candy from the piñata that we brought, and it really touched my heart because she came right up to me, and she, she wanted me to have a piece, and I tried telling her no because obviously they didn't get candy very often. But she absolutely refused and did not let me put it back, so she made me eat it, and everything down there is chili-flavored. It was really gross, but I ate it anyway. <laughs> uh, and so that, that really touched my heart that she would give me some of something that she didn't have very often. And then she kind of just sat there, and we were just sitting there hugging. Uh, this is the little girl at the orphanage. Um, and she just was sitting there hugging me, and she didn't want to let go. And when it was time to leave, I wanted to start crying because I was just, I was so sad that I had to leave her there. Um, so many of us have no idea what it is to want or to need, yet we are always dissatisfied. Uh, we need to realize that what we have is enough. First uh, Timothy 6.8 says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Um, this trip has absolutely changed my view on so many things. And I plan on definitely going again next year and making more memories and just getting a lot closer with the people down there and with my own team as well. Hannah, this is also my first year um, in Mexico, and um, so I really think that God has a purpose for absolutely everything. I mean, even if it doesn't make sense and it seems so wrong and you don't know why why God would let this happen, I mean, there's always a reason, and it works out in the end, and that's something that was really working for me in my week in Mexico because I'm always like, why would something like this happen, or so... Um, at first, I really didn't want to go on this trip because um, I figured my summer was already busy enough, so why bother? And so many people were already going. And But my parents pushed me at least to try it, and I'm really, really glad that I did. And I'm really looking forward to go next year because of it. Um, as you know, originally the Mexico team was supposed to leave on a Sunday, but because and we drove four hours to the airport only to find that we weren't in the system. And... Most of us were like really tired and frustrated and really hungry and so irritated. I thought it was like, who's responsible for missing this flight? And why did we waste all this time, gas, and money? And what are our supporters going to think? Because, I mean, what are we going to do? Um, but afterward, I realized that there were two really important reasons why um, our trip was delayed. And so <clears throat> we left on a Wednesday. And the first reason that I realized that we had to miss that flight is because the day that we were supposed to leave, I got a major ear infection. And that would have been really bad because I wouldn't have been able to focus on the things that we would have been doing down there. And my focus wouldn't have been on God, and it just would have made everything more difficult. So that got taken care of. Um, the second reason was because our time was shortened, we put so much more effort into everything that we did there, trying to do the most that we could in the little time that we had. Um, 
And also because our time was shortened, instead of going to the dump, we went to the nursing home instead. And I'm so glad that we did. Like, that was so needed. Um, and it was really neat to see God at work in everything that we did down there and impact so many people from whatever little act that we did. It didn't matter how small it was. They cared about anything that we did. Like, from packing a, pa- a bag of groceries like with vegetables in it just for them to have a meal that night to building a house or just spending time with them, even if you didn't understand what to say. Um, we went to the orphanages, and we got two pinatas, one for each orphanage, and we filled them up with candy. And it was so cool to see that even though they don't have so any, very much, I mean, they just want to spend time with you. And even though they don't get candy very often, like, they were trying to give us everything that they could. And, I mean, we have so much, and we take it all for granted. And they only have, like, a little bit of candy, and they're willing to give it all to you. And um, it gives me hope that even though they're in an orphanage and for us we think that it's a bad thing because, I mean, they don't have a family, they make the best of it. They're so full of life and they're so positive, even in their negative situation. And it just gives me hope that they have a future ahead of them, like when they get out of there. Um, but that's why the last day was the hardest for me because we went and visited the, orphan- the nursing home and those people there they have no hope. Like, they even told us that they, they aren't going to leave, that they're going to die there. And it was so heartbreaking because they have nothing. And um, so we arrived, and it was nothing that I could have expected or imagined. Like, the smell is what got me first. It smelled terrible, and there weren't any regulations there. The flies were everywhere, and people were sleeping on the concrete or the dirt. And... Their faces were just so sad, like they had nothing to live for. Um, They all looked really helpless, and many of them were missing teeth, and um, they all had a story, but nobody ever came by to listen to them, and so us coming by meant so much to them, because no one ever came to see them. And there was this one lady that nobody had ever come to see her, and since we were there, she like cried because, and asked what what she could do to repay us, because... Nobody ever came to visit her, and she felt unworthy of our company. And that, like, really hit me. And um, so the first guy that I talked to, his name was Alberto, and um, he was, like, walking around on a crutch. And so we were having a conversation, and he was so happy, like, even in the situation that he was in. And, again, they had no regulations, so I asked what happened. And turned out he was on the second story of the nursing home because he helped work around the nursing home fixing things. But because there aren't any fences on the second story, he'd fallen off and broken his leg. And they didn't fix it, like, because the hospitals there are terrible. So he's walking around, limping, um, and it will never be fixed. Um, but he was still so positive, regardless of his situation. I talked to another woman. Her name was Martha. And she, I seemed like I talked to her for hours. Like, I could talk to her about everything. It was almost like the grandmother figure I never had. And... She was just so sweet. Even though I can speak some Spanish, like, if I couldn't understand everything she said, she tried to speak to me in English enough to where I could get it. And it was so cool that she tried, and she told me everything about her life. And then she asked me when we would be coming back, and I said we'd be back in a year. And she cried because it was. she told me that it was too long. But it gave me some hope that at least we are going to come back and see them next year. Like, now they're something on our event list where we can go back and see them, and that's, like, a huge incentive for me to go again because I really feel like I need to see them again, give them some hope, because before they were hopeless, and I feel like we gave them hope. 
Um, also, uh, they're, they're, um, we brought them food. And another thing that really got to me is that the workers, if we bring them food and we don't distribute it to them, the workers will take it home and they won't get to eat it. And the only food that they have is never enough and it's always rock hard bread and they don't even have the teeth to be able to eat it. So they're starving. So they're really lucky when a friend with theirs gets to share it with them. Um, but again, it was a wonderful eye-opening experience that taught me that um, it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside or what you have because God doesn't care what we have or what we look like on the outside. He looks at what we have on the inside and who we are. And I'm learning not to look at people at face value, and I'm trying to identify with people by their soul and their hearts and what's on the inside. So I can't wait for the trip next year, so that way I can get the chance to see those faces again. All right. Um, So my name is Michaela. Uh, Everybody calls me Mickey, though. My testimony for Mexico this year is sort of different. I'm not picking a specific event that we did this year that God used to mold my heart into something slightly different than it was when we left. Um, My testimony is pretty much about my team and how God used them to show me how he works in so many different ways. Um, On Sunday, when we tried to leave the first time, my team was such an encouragement to me to see all of the group of teens and adults giving the situation of our tickets to God. It was a wonderful thing to witness. And um, watching everyone's attitude staying positive was an even greater blessing, considering the inevitable disappointment of us not being able to go. Um, I got to watch every single one of my team members draw strength from each other, and with that, give the situation to God. And it was such a blessing to watch the faith as it grew in the airport. Um, Throughout the week, I found myself just stopping at random intervals and watching as my team worked and worshiped and prayed and encouraged one another and interacted with people. And it was an amazing thing to watch God work through and in them. I watched as my team continuously put themselves out of their comfort zones and played with little kids at the orphanage and talked to people at the nursing home. I watched his team members sat on top of a roof to ensure that the family living there wouldn't lose an important part of their home. I watched as patience was tested and buttons were pushed, and I was continuously awed by the fact that they all did everything that was asked of them happily. And I watched as Becca gave her shoes up and refused to take them back. I watched as Serena played with the children at the, uh, at the build site and taught them a new game. And as Ethan and my brothers, Kyler and Lane, hammered a roof into place, I watched as Lane chased Jared around the orphanage with little kids on his shoulders. Um, I watched as Colleen helped with clothing on our bathing day and pushed a little girl on the swings at one of the or- orphanages. I watched as my team worshipped during our gatherings at the end of a couple of the days, and I watched as Rachel bonded with the little girl that she was talking about. Um, I watched as Brandy treated some of the girls' hair for lice on our bathing day, and I watched as Hannah, Becca, Ethan, and Serena put money into buying piñatas and candy for the kids at both orphanages. 
I was blessed with the opportunity to watch as my team continuously threw themselves out of their comfort zones and into every task we did, and I was continuously amazed by how God used what they were doing to touch the lives of all the people that came, they came into contact with, including my own. God used my team to show me things about myself that I need to work on, like my tendency to be selfish and conceited, which I realized at the nursing home. You see, God didn't use a single event to show me his work and to mold my heart. He used the whole trip. He used every aspect of Mexico through watching my team to show me his work and to mold me into what he wants me to be. Now I'd like to introduce a man who probably needs no introduction. Matt Cooey is here and he'd like to share with us about Spectrum and what they're doing and it seemed like an excellent opportunity. So, Matt, would you come up wherever you are? I'm not sure. Oh. Good morning. It's good to be here. Got in last night about oh, to Auburn to Becky's parents at about 9 o'clock or so. So, still on California time. First service, I felt like students trying to get up. I, I feel your pain this morning. Um, let me just say, I, I'm going to kind of condense this a little bit for, for time purposes. I want to focus on a, a passage of scripture here that really I kind of think sums things up, but the team did awesome. I just want you to know, being around a lot of teams, yeah, definitely. I may be a little biased, but you guys did awesome. It, you worked hard. And their attitude throughout, I was blown away by because of the challenges they faced up front. And shortening the week, it didn't phase them at all. They went after it and, and got into everything that they did in, in an amazing way. So um, I just want you to know that from the perspective down there, man, it was, it was fun to, to watch you guys honor God and, and um, trust him and to see your testimonies that way. Um, Mark chapter 2, verse 13, is where this story starts. I think this really sums up uh, what the approach is down in Mexico and how we work with people and what we're trying to do down there. Um, the first part of this passage is the calling of Levi. It really has a place in my life because this passage was what the pastor was preaching on uh, when we went down to say, Hey, God, do you want us to come down to Mexico? I was happy here. I wasn't planning on going anywhere, but we went to Mexico and we got the call and, and um, the pastor, the, the day that we were, the Sunday that we were there asking the Lord, do you want us to come, was in this passage. And just so you know, Levi's other name is Matthew, which happens to be not my name. And uh, it says in verse 13, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, a large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi Matthew, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. And uh, the pastor was there that day saying, so Jesus called Matthew to leave behind his job, to leave behind his comfort, to leave behind his family, his friends, <laughs> to leave behind everything he knew and uh, come and follow him. And there was a lot of other things too, but God knew it took a lot. <clears throat> Sorry, for me to, to, to leave here. He knew he needed to be very clear. And so he said, just to make sure, I'm going to call you by name. And uh, that's what he did that Sunday. So this first part of this passage is, means a lot to me, it, it, obviously. 
But that's not the part I want to focus on. I want to par- focus on Jesus and what he did because Levi was not somebody that people really enjoyed being around. He was a tax collector. He was hated. He was looked down upon. He was the scum of the earth and in many people's eyes. But it's who Jesus said, hey, I want to spend time with you. Come and follow me. Be one of mine. I accept you. Come, come, come in and, and be a part of my group here. And, and so you get to verse 15, and it says, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. And sinners in quotes, you know, that's how people viewed them. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Who does this? Jesus, the Son of God, the righteous one, could be with kings, could be with rulers, could be in the comfort of a palace and and spend his time in ease and comfort. But that's not what he did. Instead, he chooses, chose, when he was here on earth or in his three-year ministry, to spend time with those who others wouldn't. That's who he went to. He went to the problem child all-star team and hung out with them and, and ate dinner with them and wanted to fellowship with them. Let's just sit and eat and talk and, and share lives together. That was Jesus' approach. That problem child all-star team, I got that quote from uh, one of our guys. His name is Paul Alvarado. He's our children's ministry director. And we were talking the other day because we have a kids club that meets every Monday night. And we get 60 to 80 kids that come out to one of our, our, our neighborhoods to a building that we have there that actually the, the, the team here helped fund fixing that building up. They painted it while they were there. So they've invested in that building and in that ministry. But our goal is to get more kids out. We could get more kids out. The only limitation that we have is the number of vans that we have going out. And so we have these 15 passenger vans. Right now we have two. And, uh, it's amazing how many kids you can cram into one of those vans. It's, it's wild. It's like, you know, okay, I'm not going to look right now, but uh, there's just tons of kids because they all want to come. And so um, the, the deal is, is how can we get more vans going? And actually, Solomon and Megan are going to be a part of that next year going in. They're going to drive one of our vans uh, for us so we can get more kids out to this. But, you know, we were saying it, it's helpful to have one, instead of having one driver to have two people, one to, you know, drive and the other one to warn the driver of, like, flying objects in the van and, and just try to keep the kids somewhat settled down. And, and so, um, and Paul was saying this. He was saying, you know, a lot of the neighborhoods that we go into obviously have some kids with some issues. He said, but there's one neighborhood in particular, and that's the Arroyo and the arroyo, it goes down, and it kind of drives along this dirt road, down this hill, kind of back in this ravine. It's back in this wedge of two hills kind of coming together. And, and, and Paul said, it's just an amazing thing, but they seem to have the problem child all-star team right there. You know, so you fill your van up with those kids. Sorry, Solomon and Megan, but that's where you're going. No. Um, you fill your van up with those kids, you're going to have some issues, you know? And, and, um, but the thing about it is, here's what Paul said about it. He said, those are the very kids that we want to reach, that we want to come out, that we want to share the love of Christ with. 
And there's one kid in there in particular, just a, a story. Well, okay, just an example. We, we took a, we took a, a camping trip with, with some of these kids, and there was a kid from that neighborhood, and we brought him along. And at the beginning of the trip, we gave them each bowls and cups, and it was their job to take care of their own bowls and cups so they could eat. One of the kids thought it would be funny to urinate in one of his friend's cups, you know? So that's just like kind of the mentality, the thinking where these guys are at, you know, that we're trying to pull them out of this. But there's another story that, that really kind of speaks to me about, about what we're doing, and, and it's um, the story of Gladys and her son Giovanni. And Giovanni um, would, would go to Kids Club. He, he got connected through our bath days, and then he heard about our Kids Club, and he wanted to go. And so when uh, the guy who was driving the van, his name's Dave, would come down that dirt road, he would, he would pull up, and he would just picking up other kids in front of the, in, in their houses, and it looked like a lot of fun. So he's like, yeah, I want in. And so he gets in the van, piles in there, and he starts to go to kids' club. Now, Giovanni's not a Christian at, at this point, but he's going out. And at kids' club, they, they teach verses. Uh, Palau's very good at teaching verses. They memorize verses, and they do it in fun ways. And as, he's, as they're memorizing it, he's teaching them at the same time. But they get points and everything if they learn their verses. They do songs. They do games. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, so one day, Dave is in the neighborhood, picking up kids for kids club, and he goes by Giovanni's house, and he stops, and he's, he's like, what are they doing? And Giovanni's talking to his mom, Gladys, outside, and as Dave comes up to him, they're practicing their memory verse. So you have two non-Christians memorizing Ephesians 2.10, which is, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. And at some point, it was like the light bulb kind of turned on for Gladys. And she looked at Dave, and she's like, that's what you guys do. You guys do good works. And, and it was just like all making sense to her. And Dave, I don't know if I would have been this fast on my feet, but um, Dave thought, you know what? There's two verses before that, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which is, for, for is by grace you're saved uh, through, okay, now I'm blanking. <laughs> my faith, this is not of yourself. This is the gift of God so that no one can boast. And he was able to share about God's grace in that moment. And that's, that's the work that we're doing. These are the people who we're going to, to reach out to. These are the people at the old folks' home, the people at the dump. I mean, these guys didn't get a chance to go to the dump this year, uh, but they got a chance to go to the old folks' home. And as you heard clearly, there's need there. There's need for relationship. There's need for hugs. There's need for conversations. No one is going there. And yet, this group did read with them the scriptures, sang with them. You should have seen them. <laughs> it, was, it was incredible to see. Um, building homes, going to the orphanages. You know, we have a, a guy in our, in our uh, ministry, several of our guys, that grew up in orphanages themselves. He's, and one of them told me one time, he said, do you know, could you imagine, he said, what it's like to try to believe in, in a God that, that he accepts you, that he's your father, when your father didn't accept you? dropped you off. He has that memory of being dropped off by his parents at an orphanage. What would that do to someone's self-worth, their idea of themselves, uh, uh, their idea of how God sees them? And yet the, our, our students come in and play with them. They get sweaty and dirty and wrestle around and kids on their backs all saying, I accept you. I love you. And that relationship. Who did Jesus spend time with when he was here on earth? The people that no one else would. Um, I, I saw this quote. Jesus spent most of his life with people that most of us spend our lives trying to avoid. 
that's the people that we're going after, and that's the people who these, these guys spent time with. And the challenge, I think, is not just to let it be a week. There's 51 other weeks out of the year. Who in your life, I challenge the students, I challenge all of us, who in your life can you think of that, that maybe people don't want to spend time with the sick, the, those who are, are kind of messy, those who you know, are hard to deal with, hard to listen to? Maybe it's people at work. Maybe it's people at school. Maybe it's people in your family, hard to love. Who would Jesus be spending time with that you know? That's what he's calling us to. Um, Gabby? I'd like to take this time to pray for Matt and Spectrum and, and Megan and Solomon and the Cooey family. I'd also like you to remember, please, on your bulletins to pray for. We have a long list of, of people that need our prayer. Um, but let's go to the Lord. Lord, I thank you for the good work that you are doing through Spectrum. Thank you for the director that you've, you are making Matt into. Thank you for his ability to do that job well. And I thank you that you've connected this church to Spectrum. It gives us an ability to give and be generous and to love. Pray for Megan and Solomon, too, that they would have good work, that they would take uh, pleasure in and that, that would affect those around them. And I pray for our church, Lord, that you would bless those who are sick, those who are hurting, Lord, those who are lonely, that you would help us to see and to love those who are in need. Amen.